your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner. Where the banter's as ferocious as me watching the Super Bowl on Sunday, man. Realizing I was going to be wrong. No! <laughs> Matt, you should have learned your lesson a while ago. You never take on the curse. Apparently, you don't take on the NFL prediction GOAT. Aww. You never go against Brady. 4-0, so many things, Matt. You're 4-0. Oh. I don't know how I did it. Beginner's, beginner's luck, apparently. You have to pick all of them, man. Every, every year, we're going to come to you for playoff predictions, and uh, I'm betting on it. I'm going to make some money off you. That's for sure. Man, ne- next year is either going to go really well for you, or you're going to lose all faith in me. I look forward to it. <laughs> well, I'll be excited to see it, man. But we should talk about that Super Bowl, because... Man, did Brady get lucky again? I know, I know Tampa's defense was really good, but man, hate the ref. There's, there's a lot of ways that you could spin it. The most important thing, I think, Matt, is the fact that it was just downright boring. Is that the proper word to use? Like, it was not an enjoyable Super Bowl. I mean, unless you were a Tom Brady slash Buccaneers fan being like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Like, it just wasn't great. It was one team took it all the way and... Kansas City fans, sad after an amazing couple of years. Man, amazing couple of years. But you, we talked about it all year, how they were kind of just playing with their food and they weren't necessarily had that killer instinct and in finishing teams off. And both of us thought that they'd be able to overcome it, but they really didn't change their game style. And it cost them in that one, man. They, they couldn't overcome any of that adversity in that game. It wasn't, I mean, yes, you could say in the game that the the Chiefs really didn't have an answer, that they didn't, you know, flex appropriately, that they didn't figure out how to stop the fact that Tyreek Hill was never open because he always had double coverage. But the thing that I mentioned to you, Matt, was the, the offensive line. Just Mahomes not having the time he needed because there were injuries to what was supposed to defend him from that, you know, Bucks defense. Like, it it was unfortunate to see. 497 yards before he passed or was sacked. That was an NFL high this year. He was running for his life with a broken toe, man. And I don't understand how people could watch that game and think that it was his fault or that he didn't do enough. Because the guy was trying, man. He was hitting guys in the hands. They were just dropping the ball. It was brutal to watch as a fan of his because I really thought he was going to cement himself as the goat in that game you know Matt uh I think back to you and me you know our Kingston days when we watched all the Super Bowls together when you were bringing me into watching football and like we had a lot of good times and since moving away I I stepped away from football and I really didn't know the greatness of Mahomes and watching a bunch of highlights recently, really seeing his claim to fame, like, yeah, it's crazy that, albeit the fact that they got destroyed in that Super Bowl game, Mahomes still looked pretty fantastic. Like, some of those attempts that he made, oh, baby. Like, I hope he comes back and comes back hard because I don't think his go conversation should be over, but he has taken a serious blow from Brady. Man, the epitome of the game and the the series or the three plays that like epitomize what that game was was when they were about eight minutes left and Kansas City had it within the 25-yard line and Patrick Mahomes scrambles on three consecutive plays to put it in the end zone and touch his wide receivers in the hands or in the face and they don't catch the ball. They don't make the play. Because it was him beating his head against a wall, and they were not willing to change up the style. They didn't run the ball. They didn't protect enough. Travis Kelsey wasn't catching enough. He still had a good game, but he he, he dropped some pretty important balls. But then you watch the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, the, the throw that only he could make. I mean, he was freaking parallel to the ground, dude. How? How did he do it? And he looked so smooth, right, at the same time. It looked like he could do it again, man. It looked like he could, like, if another situation like that arose, it wasn't luck. It was full out his concentration and skill. It was wild. No, Mahomes definitely had it. Matt, I have a weird stat written down that this was the first time in Mahomes' career, in any game, professional game, that he didn't throw a touchdown. 
to be stopped finally at this stage? Wow. Yeah, man. Three years in the NFL. He's played like over 40 games at this point. He had never lost by double digits. And he had never um, not scored a touchdown. So they were some pretty big milestones. And according to, if you go back to his college and high school days, he never has not scored a touchdown in a game. That was the first time in his career. So it was man. It was definitely a defensive battle. Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Bucks, definitely gets a lot of the credit there. But Andy Reid was probably more focused on his son than than he was. <laughs> Facts, right? That accident that happened. Yeah, and I heard it was his fault, eh? He was driving the car. I I just read a, a minor story on it. They said that he was driving a car, the car that struck. Um, two cars on the side of the of the interstate and uh, injured two children so yeah there's like a there's like a five-year-old kid right who's apparently in critical mm-hmm. and there was a four-year-old who wasn't uh critically injured but... <sighs> insane well yeah i'm sure that definitely took it away just wasn't the chief's year man no it wasn't can we talk about the other side of the coin though and it can be the refs or it can be brady and the buccaneers whatever you would prefer to start with because mahomes will be back We'll talk about him again. There's no way that this Chiefs team is done. But dude, Brady does it again. Number seven. Dude, he <laughs> has to have one of the luckiest histories of careers ever in the NFL. The amount of the tuck rule, the flake gate, the AFC championship pass interference, or pass, roughing the passer call, and then the game against Green Bay, that pass interference call on Mike Evans. That was brutal. I mean, I don't know what it is, but even my brother texted me in the middle of the game and goes, yeah, Brady's the greatest. Greatest at knowing how to pay the refs. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, Matt, I'm going to tell a story. We can talk about the refs after this story, but I want to talk about how Brady became the GOAT and where it all potentially comes from. It's going to start with a man by the name of Gio Carmoza. All right, this guy was supposed to be the next great for the 49ers, was supposed to be the next Joe Montana, yeah. everything. Like, he was he was the answer, right? First game that Brady gets to start in, he goes up against this guy. And now, Matt, what I've learned about football recently is that if you get an opportunity, you take that chance, you run with it, and you never let go. Yeah, Brady absolutely slaps Gio in this game. I'm pretty sure Gio plays four, maybe five total games. He's currently living off the grid. He has no TV. He loves yoga, and he's he's a farmer of goats, all right? Tom Brady is a seven-time Super Bowl champion. And you know what he did at the beginning of that game? For the first time in a Super Bowl, he had a first-quarter touchdown drive against a quarterback who has never not thrown a touchdown in his career. Did he steal another soul? Like, I don't know, man. Brady's doing some weird stuff. I don't know if I touched into the curse and that's why I, it's been happening, but there's something going on here, Matt. Dude, that is wild. Um, I don't know if I believe in it, but you know what? Brady might be stealing stealing uh, people's souls because at 43, he looks like he's going to be able to play till he's 45 and is just doing so well. It's it's phenomenal that he's an ageless wonder at this point. Did you see him uh, at the parade tossing the Lombardi from his boat to Gronk's? He looked like he was having a blast. <laughs> hey, man, when you've got three decades worth of Super Bowl rings and you've been tossing, you know, those plays all the time, I think he's got a right to throw the Lombardi across an open bay. What a guy. Dude, oh. it's only one. He's got six more. <laughs> and when he was stumbling, man, out of the, out of the dock... And they were all talking to him, and he tweets over the video, and he goes, just a little avocado tequila. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so good, good man. <laughs> oh. I mean, he texted his teammates every single night in that last week leading up to the Super Bowl that they were going to win. You know, you look at Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Fournette, like three guys that joined this team this season to play with him that make some of the biggest plays with him at the end of the day to seal the win. Like, as much as... As much as you can say football is football, Tom Brady has cemented himself with an unreal season. But I agree with you, Matt. Luck definitely has a lot to do with it. Yeah, man. Big big play to do with it. But you're right. He did bring that winning culture to Tampa Bay. He came to a ready-made roster to win, and he won. So you got to give him the credit for it. 
he's definitely the statistical goat, the greatest accomplished goat of all time. But again, watching that game, my eyes don't deceive me, man. Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> most talented player ever. I can't wait for him to return to come back. I really want the Chiefs to learn a valuable lesson to not just be ignorant. You know, we saw that earlier. What, what was the team that got taken down that earlier in the NFL playoffs? Which one are you talking about? That was, uh, the super overconfident team with the one dude always knew it dances. Oh, you whatever. mean the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> there the you Cleveland go, Browns. exactly. Yeah. Boom, right there. Lesson learned, hopefully. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, man. You gotta you gotta learn your lesson. You can't be you can't be over cocky in the in the NFL. These guys are professional athletes themselves. They get paid to play the game. So you gotta show up, man. You gotta show up. You know who's not been showing up lately, man? Oh no. My Montreal Canadians. It's been brutal to watch. They did just lose a battle of the top of the table against the Leafs last night, was it? I'm sorry to say. Man. They played a pretty good game last night. They came out with a lot of fire, but then it just kind of it kind of faded, and they didn't. They they just don't seem to have it. Carey Price let in three softies. I mean, he didn't really have a chance on one, but they were soft goals. And uh, yeah, Toronto Toronto took it from us. But my biggest issue is the fact that the coach doesn't understand that at the beginning of the season, everyone knew. If we were going to win, if they were going to be a competitive team, they would need two young centers, not one, but two, to take prominent roles. And he's he started off by giving Kakanyemi ice time, but he's really pulled back and reduced it. And for me, he was our best player in that Toronto game. And at the end of the game, he has a shift where he wins a faceoff against Austin Matthews, takes it up the ice, and has a shot on net. And then you pull him off when that's the only time he's been out on the ice in the last five minutes. Like, it's just wild to me. I understand that he wants to give Nick Suzuki confidence, but not at the expense of Jesperi Kakanyemi. Because I'm going to make it very clear that Jesperi Kakanyemi definitely has more talent. Definitely. If you can't see that, then why did you put him on the team as an 18-year-old when Nick was 19? Over Nick. <laughs> the first of many, Matt begs the Canadians to listen to him because he knows what he's talking about. I, mean, I don't know much about hockey, but thanks, Kevin. What he tells me, you're, hey man, everything you tell me is straightforward, and I believe in KK. So I hopefully get to turn around. And he gets more minutes. Dude, I love Nick Suzuki, and I think he's having a fantastic season. I think he's he's getting a little lucky. He's playing great defensive hockey, two way hockey. And his wingers are great. Druin and our and Anderson have been really complimentary to him. But again, you can't just overplay one player because he's getting the luck. He's getting the the wingers. You need to make sure that you're developing both of them. They're twenty yes. and twenty one. They're the future. Don't worry about Deno. He's gone at the end of the season anyways. He turned down a five million dollar contract. He doesn't want to stay. Huh. Like. Matt, I remember an interesting situation with the Pittsburgh Penguins with two centers, right? Where you have Crosby, arguably one of the greatest of all time. And behind him, I always forget his name Malkin. because I'm a terrible hockey fan. Malkin, there it is, drafted to also be a fantastic center. And when you have the depth, when you have those leaders on your squad that are going to control what's going on, everyone around you is going to play better. So why not develop young talent? Even if you think one may be better than the other, let them both rise and become strong together. It's only going to make your team better, right? Am I right? 100%, man. Like, just forget about the old guy, worry about the young ones, because they're the future. <laughs> man, that and Alexander Romanov, he's been fantastic. But, hey, my Montreal Canadiens will pull it back together. I'm hoping that they get the win tonight against Edmonton. And then they're back against Toronto for back-to-backs on Saturdays. So, hey, you know, things could change real quickly out here. I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? Like, with that with that Canadian situation, all these teams battling at it. I know you were saying you were sad because it's just really the, you know, the Canadians and the <laughs> Leafs at the top. But hopefully you'll get some more out of the rest of the team so you don't have too heavy a top conference and they go and they uh, 
can beat the rest of the league when the playoffs come around. Man, I was absolutely shocked at how bad the the rest of the division has looked so far this year. I mean, I was expecting Ottawa to be bad, but Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, and Edmonton have not really shown up yet. But Edmonton did win a game for the first time since 2017 where uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl did not record a point. So that's a, that's a yeah, step forward. That. That's a step forward for them. Right. Progress when you don't have to lean on your studs to do everything. Everything every night. You know, that's, that's good for them, right? <laughs> definitely, man. Definitely. But, you know, hockey's heating up and uh, I'm really thinking that it's going to come down to the, the Leafs and Canadians like I said it would. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Canadian team, the Canadian division, actually sent the Stanley Cup winner because, man, there's tons and tons of scoring in this in this division. It's awesome to watch. Man, this must be a joy for a lot of old timer, you know, Canadian hockey fans right now. Leafs fans, Canadians fans, like that's a rivalry that I'm sure has always wanted to be sparked as, like, a top-tier rivalry in the league that's always waiting to happen. Oh, yeah, man. They haven't been a rivalry for forever, so it's it's <laughs> nice to finally see two competitive good teams going head-to-head, so I'm enjoying it. But let's talk about basketball, man. That's what we're here to talk about, and that's what I'm down to talk about right now. Perfect. Well, Matt, I always start with COVID, and unlike the NHL, which I know we didn't discuss, but they're, I know, burning up right now with COVID. Yeah. It's not going well. Things are looking pretty good in the NBA. One positive test this week, you know, I don't really think we had any extra games postponed. We've had that crazy scare with Durant, obviously, and the weird situation that was going on there, but I think we can save that for Raptors chat. The only other COVID thing I want to talk about is that Carl Anthony Towns came out and talked about his recovery. Uh, I've mentioned in the past, he has lost multiple, multiple family members to this virus, and he shared himself how he had some scary nights just being sick, alone in his bed. And as much as it's awful to hear those types of things, I'm always proud of people who have that outreach, who have you know the capabilities to be heard, to share that information. Because it's still crazy to me that we're this far into this pandemic and there's people that don't care. There's people that won't wear masks. That, like, don't believe it's real, man. No, I, right? I agree. That's, un- that's amazing that he comes out and he shares the... the- scary stories that he just went through because at the end of the day we need people to to shine a light on the fact that it's real wear a mask come on simple as that simple as that okay moving on into all-star stuff since uh, we're having an all-star game even though a lot of the star players are not exactly super happy about money it money over safety facts we got lebron at the top spot he's officially taken over durant now in all-star fan voting uh, Freddie, our boy, 10th in the East for guards, slowly climbing his way up as the only Raptor that's broken into the top 10s in fan voting. Yeah, 54 point game, Not much. Fam, that's why. I mean, the guy is a stud, but hey, hopefully he can continue to rise. But at the end of the day, it's whatever. Um, they're going to have a dunk contest. It's apparently going to happen at halftime. I don't know. They're doing everything they can to make money. At this point, it doesn't look like it's going to be stopped. I just hope that it is extra, 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 extra safe. Because if this goes wrong, Matt, if this blows up, if there's an outbreak, I don't know how Silver comes back from it. You know what I mean? Like after the great record, the track run that he's had so far, this could be the ticking time bomb that ends all of that. and Goodwill goes out the window. Man, he's had an amazing start to his commissioner career. He's been phenomenal in what he's done. Uh, people are already calling him the best commissioner in sports, and he's only like three years in. Gary Bettman, take note. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this definitely could be an undoing if it goes poor, man. Um, if you get LeBron, Durant, Kawhi Leonard sick, Nikola Jokic sick, people are going to be pissed. People are not going to be happy. So uh, I hope it goes well. I hope they're extra safe like you're talking about. And I hope it's entertaining because I definitely would love to see – the top players play against each other. I'm not at risk. That That's it, right? Like, we do want to see the fantastic basketball that All-Star Weekend gives us. I just hope that if it is going to go through and the players that do go do buy in because they are provided the right safety and give the fans a show and then it can all move on. But, hey, it is what it is. 
Another funny story, Matt, I guess it's funny at this point, is this anthem controversy that you didn't even know about when I was telling you before we were going to record this episode. No, I'd read some small There's things, something going but... on. That's it, right? There's something going on with the Mavericks. The, the league had to come out and make a statement that all teams are going to have to play the, you know, the anthem at the beginning of games. So long story short, the Mavericks went 18 games this season at home without playing the anthem at the beginning of games because they talked with their fan base, they talked with their community, they talked with their staff, and they agreed that the anthem may or may not exactly, you know, be what they want. It may not support them. It may not, you know, directly represent their value. Speak or represent for them. Exactly. Yeah. So they made a decision to not play it. And with no fans in the building, nobody's really cared. It hasn't really been a big deal, whatever. And then as a gesture of good, that's it. Like it was like announcers, nobody, it wasn't a big deal. Nobody cared. And then right before fans were supposed to come back, uh, Cuban hosts like 5,000 essential workers, frontline staff, um, medical workers at a game to just be like, hey, welcome back. And somebody notices, it gets into social media, and now it's this big deal, and the NBA had to come and respond, and then Cuban had to come and respond, and it's like, you know, this is stupid. Why are we talking about this? Why is this a big deal? You know, like, it bothers me slightly. It's just dumb, man. I, it's, yeah. It is what it is. It's America, and uh, hopefully they can get over it because it's basketball and I just want to watch some basketball. I don't necessarily care about the anthem. The anthem is there because we're paying homage to the, to the place where it takes place. Um, most of those guys, some of them aren't even from the United States and they stand for that national anthem. <laughs> so you're making guys from Slovenia, uh, you know, Canada, Congo, um, everywhere have to stand for this anthem. Yeah, I, Why would you have to do I that? I love, I love that you bring it up because my favorite like joke response that people have sent to Cuban has been like, you know, this is supposed to be for the players and to honor their like history, right? Okay, well, just overlap every single national anthem for all of the nationalities of the players playing that night to go at the same time. Boom, you're good. Everyone's happy, right? <laughs> National anthem is played. Players have to stand during it. All good. Like, that's the ridiculous response. Exactly, though. <laughs> oh. oh, whatever, man. You want to do the injuries? Had to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about injuries, but I had to bring it up because I just it's so stupid, right? Yeah. Okay, moving on to serious injuries. Only really two this week that are really big of mentioning. Uh, the Cavaliers, Larry Nance Jr., his left hand has a fracture in it. He's going to be out six weeks. Cavs are in a weird place, so I don't really know. That could put a how this uh, damper on the Andre Drummond, ru- Andre Drummond rumors. You know, I know that they still have other centers, but Lance is, or Nance is a big boy, so... Well, with him being out, it allowed Drummond to start at the power forward with Jarrett Allen starting at center, which is a crazy thought, you know, Twin Towers kind of situation. But they played well together, so who knows? Maybe Drummond won't get traded because of this. Uh, yeah, who who knows, man? Uh, I know Raptors fans kind of want to see him in a Raptors jersey, but we'll talk about that later. Ugh, gross. Okay, anyways. <laughs> um, yes, the, the only other injury, uh, the Hawks, DeAndre Hunter... His right knee has a meniscus injury. Uh, they don't know the whole situation. It's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. I mean, he's a good player for the Haw- the Hawks, but he's not like, you know, super important. So I think they'll be okay. They should be okay. Uh, but do you see how how bad Trey Young was though after last night? I mean, he should be bad call, bad call, refs. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of I didn't mind it because you know it was a little aggressive, but it's just because he's so much smaller than Willie Cauley Stein is. I mean, yeah, lots of ways you could go for it. Stars in the league, getting calls, this or that, blah, blah, blah. I think Trey will be fine. He's pretty much a star in this league at this point. Yeah, oh, buddy, is he? Um, An old point guard star got traded this week, though, which was wild. I mean, not like it would have been when he was prime D-Rose, but the Knicks wanted him back. Look, it's not the Knicks wanting him back. It's Tom Thibodeau realizing that he has never not had D-Rose, and he doesn't know exactly how to feel about that. So he made a quick trade so that Rose could come and join his team. Honestly, I don't love it. I don't hate it. D-Rose is playing well right now. I mean, 14 points, four assists, coming off the bench. He's an upcoming free agent. 
Pistons get to move into their rebuild. Knicks get to maybe figure out if they're going to be relevant this season. Dennis Smith Jr. didn't really fit on that team with Barrett and Quickly. Um, They got a second-round pick that they had to throw in to get Derrick Rose. Not a really big deal. I think Derrick Rose is actually going to do wonders for a guy like Barrett and Quickly. Um, He's going to help them you know, develop and, and see the defensive side of the ball and see what Tibbs is talking about while also being being able to exploit offensively what the NBA has to offer. So I think it was a good pickup for the Knicks in terms of developing the young players, not going to lie. Well, exactly. I agree with you. He's a leader that knows Thibodeau, knows what he wants to do, knows the system he's going to create, and I'm sure is willing to come in and be that veteran leadership, you know, take these guys to their next levels to help with their development and I've always been a Rose fan, and I will never be sad for him to do good. I'm just sad that we're relying on him to do good on the Knicks, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Them, them Knicks. Oh, well. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, okay, okay. Award races time, Matt. We'll talk about this. Can we start with LaMelo? Can we start with him just running away with Rookie of the Year? We both didn't have it, but I think it might be happening, my man. Dude, we... I had no idea that he was actually going to be this good, but he is running away with with it, like you said. He's leading in points, rebounds, steals, blocks, uh, it's assists. He's just been doing everything, and he actually looks like he could be a top 10 point guard at this point in the league with how well he's playing, and his confidence has just been off the charts. So that, that bodes well for him. I just wonder if he could ever develop into a winning style basketball. Because, I mean, they're they're staying afloat, but everybody's kind of staying afloat. I mean, that's it, right? It is, it's just, it's that kind of season. It's really weird. You never really know. And the rookie class, I mean, there's been a couple of shining stars. Like, we were talking about Tyrese Halliburton and the Kings a few weeks ago, right? He's doing really well. A couple of shining stars left and right, but... When you think about those big three, you know, coming into this draft with Anthony Edwards, with James Wiseman, and with LaMelo Ball, like, you went, you go two years ago, LaMelo was going to be number one, and then it was James Wiseman was going to be number one, and then it ended up being Anthony Edwards being number one, and, I mean, here we are, and LaMelo's proving them wrong, well, Wiseman's playing well for Golden State, and, I mean, Ant-Man's doing good, but the Timberwolves suck, so it's not like that's gonna be help anytime soon so yeah good for Lamelo. i'm i guess i'm proud of him at this point man i'm so glad though that at, at the beginning of the season i uh talked about how he was starting the season off a lot better than i anticipated and i retracted some of my uh, pre-draft comments because i was not nice to him before the draft and he is definitely proving me wrong so man you were you were nice to him before the draft you were nice to him after we slapped them around in week one, and you were like, Malachi Flynn looks like a better draft pick than LaMelo. Like, we were both being rude to him. But, you know, when when you come into the NBA season as a, as a lottery pick, you know, as a top five draft pick, like, there are expectations put on your shoulders. And the guy has Michael Jordan himself being like, you are going to be it for my team. You know, Gordon Hayward looks really good. You know, they figured out what they're going to do with the Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier. Like, I mean, the Hornets, the Hornets, they're in a pretty good place at this point in time. And Lamella's proven the doubters wrong. Who did uh, Gordon Hayward compare him to? He's like a mix of, I think he was saying Russell Westbrook and um, I think he said Steph Curry, which is just wild. I mean... Both of them underrated passers, and LaMelo does some ridiculous passing. But, man, you combine Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry, that's the ultimate basketball player. Definitely, <laughs> Definitely the ultimate guard I don't, in terms of what they can and can't do. I don't do. know if LaMelo's that, that type of player, but, hey, I could be wrong. I was wrong before, and I'll definitely be wrong again. Um, who's your MVP pick, though, man? Because there's a oh, lot. man. So, who did I say at the beginning of the season? I said it was going to be... Luca, uh, yeah, he's he's not on this list. He's not even in consideration right now. He said it himself in an interview. He's having a hey. decent season. He's just not having the season that everyone anticipated, and he's not contributing to winning basketball, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. So for me, it's a really weird conversation because you know you look at the the centers right in Jokic and Embiid. Obviously, my boy Jokic, I always want to root for him. I want him to be MVP, but I just don't know if he has enough. The Nuggets are falling off. They're not playing amazing. 
Yeah. Embiid, I mean, the stud, the man. The obviously, you know, Philly's on top of the the East right now for a reason, and he's a big part of that. I mean, I said it last week. You mentioned it. Embiid is the most dominant player in the NBA right now, and that's what you should be as a center, right? So between them, I don't know. But then there's obviously the conversation of LeBron. Steph Curry has showed up in the conversation playing fantastic for a Golden State team that you completely wrote off. Like, it's hard, man. It's hard right now. You know what, man? My predictions about Golden State, they could still be accurate because Memphis is right there. Um, Dallas is starting to creep back up. You know, they're 12 and 14. Um, They could fall out of the playoffs. I could see it. And uh, I love what Steph Curry's doing. I just don't think it's enough with a 13 and 12 team. Again, I love what Jokic is doing. They're 13 and 11 though, and they I know they beat Utah, but then they lost three straight before winning against Cleveland. I think it's between Embiid and LeBron. In my opinion, I mean LeBron's just carrying that Lakers team, night in night out. Anthony Davis doesn't look like the Anthony Davis that we're accustomed to seeing. And LeBron's just got them chugging along. They're the best defense in the NBA, and he's the best player in the world. So Honestly, I think you, you hit it on the spot there. As much as you know, we can talk about Durant being great for the Nets teams, the Nets is in a weird situation, and, I mean, KD is stuck dealing with COVID situations. But Jeez. LeBron and Embiid are leading their teams in both of their conferences. Now, I do want to do a quick shout-out to the Utah Jazz. And actually, this can segue into the next thing. If we want to talk about Coach of the Year, like, it's got to be... is it Bill, who, Who's the Jazz coach? What's his name? Snyder? Oh, yeah. i got to Google this now. This is, how, this is how underrated the Utah Jazz are right now. You don't even you know? know their coach's name. He's so good. Like Quinn Snyder, like go. if he doesn't, if he's not in the conversation for coach of the year right now, because we're talking about these MVP caliber players and they're all doing great for their teams. But the Utah Jazz is 20 and five. They have the best record in the NBA. Um, Donovan Mitchell. They have great players. Donovan Mitchell's playing great. Mike Conley has had a resurgence. Uh, Gobert is Gobert one is, of the best I guess, players, defensive players. In the he's living up to his contract extension he's getting, but it's not like they have one man taking them all the way. Unless, of course, that's Quinn Snyder who's doing that with these great, talented players on that team. So if anyone deserves a Coach of the Year shout-out, in my opinion, it's got to be him. It's definitely Quinn Snyder at this point, man. Doc Rivers gets some talk because, you know, not a lot of people really expected the 76ers to be leading the Eastern Conference. But 100%, man, the Utah Jazz, biggest surprise of the year. Donovan Mitchell trying to prove Shaquille O'Neal wrong, trying to tell him, yeah, you facts. know, uh, I'm better than Russell Westbrook, especially now. Maybe not in Russell Westbrook's prime, but definitely now I'm better. And, uh, yeah, they're just chugging along, man. 20-5, and five, they've, they've got a game and a half on, uh, or they've got a half game on the Lakers. Yeah, very, very, very impressive. Yeah, I mean... We could talk about a couple of other coaches on some of the teams, but at the end of the day, exactly, right? That's where it is. I'm looking at these standings, Matt, and I'm trying to make some decisions about certain teams and whether or not it's time, right? Like, I look at the Pistons. I look at the Wizards, unfortunately. Like, I wanted more for the Wizards, but they don't have much. And maybe even the Magic with their situations and their injuries as three teams in the East that probably just need to give up already. Like, the Pistons, they made that trade, right, with getting D-Rose out, so I think they've already decided it's over for them. Pistons The Magic have just... The Pistons suck. (laughs) You're right. The Magic, they're dealing with injuries, so that's... It's tough for them. They probably have to fold in. And the Wizards. The Wizards are are hot garbage, man. Besides Bradley Beal, they're they're a mess right now. Even Russell That John Wall trade, not... Not looking good, eh? No, poor Russell Westbrook, man. I bet you if they kept John Wall, they'd have a better record. I, I, 100%. I agree with that, right? Yeah. But I don't want to talk too much about the bottom of the league because, you know, going up from there, you know, Cavs, Heat, even the Bulls at this point, you know, with their 10 wins, their teams, that, I mean, the Heat, obviously, they can come back at any time if they figure their problems out. But the Cavaliers and the Bulls are teams that are having decent seasons and need to decide whether they want to try to get in the playoffs for experience or tank hard. I guess the Knicks are in a similar situation, right? Like, the East has this 
bottom cesspool. Like the fact that the Raptors are twelve and thirteen and sitting at fifth. It's a dude. It was wild. I mean, after a one and five start, they've uh, gone eleven and eight, and they pulled themselves all the way up to sixth and fifth, tied with Indiana. And uh, they're only a game back of Boston, two back of Brooklyn. So they've definitely got room to improve. They could definitely get that third seed. And they had the, the number one offense in the league the last five games. They've been on fire, my friend. So yeah, definitely our Raptors could, could get there. But I don't know about the rest of the, the teams, man. If I was the Knicks, I'd, I'd probably just, just fold it in. But they went for D. Rose, so they're trying to get, make the playoffs. Uh, D-Rose is kind of like a, a seesaw situation because it could be a good jump to the playoffs or it could just be a really good, you know, half a season learning for that backcourt with an upcoming free agent expiring contract. Yeah. You know, but I digress. I want to talk about the four teams at the top really quickly, Matt, before we move to the West because the 76ers, the Bucks, the Nets, the Celtics, they look good. Like the Celtics at 12 and 11, they've been dealing with some serious injury situations, COVID situations. And, you know, they're in the opposite situation of the Raptors, where, like, we've been 6-4, and four, they've been 4-6, and six, but I still think they're a better team than us. I still think they're in a better situation than us. And that, without looking at scheduler records, like, I don't know. That's why I don't think that we're going to, to be that great this year, even if we make the playoffs, and why I would rather fade for Cade is because those four teams, they think they're better constructed than we are. And unfortunately, we just don't have the players. Man, I think we can skip the West if you want to do Raptors chat. I think you got a point there. The West is, I mean, we can bring up next week because there's nothing too fancy besides, obviously, the Timberwolves are done. They suck. Move on. Okay, yeah. Let's do the Raptors chat. Man, we were 3-1 and one, like I said we'd be. I mean, I didn't call the wins, but hey, 3-1. and one. We, we picked it up. I'm freaking amped. I'm really happy for you. At least you got something right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. I had to. Okay. Moving into this chat, we had a really weird week of games. You know, that Nets game, which we'll talk about later. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about before we actually talk about the games is that the lawsuit for Masai has officially been dropped. We got vindication. It's all over. That security guard that tried something, you know, he's working administration now. You know, sharpening pencils and pushing papers. we were all just I, I guess that's a win stunned it took this long with clear-cut video like that but you know america gonna be america so oh, honestly okay yeah moving on <laughs> let's talk about that nets game matt uh, what durant not allowed to start for the first time in his career because of covid protocols comes into the game only puts up eight points which i'm also sure is like the lowest amount of points he's ever put up ever then gets taken out because somebody did test positive. Like, then he had the ultimate Twitter response, the best Twitter tweet with just free me. Like, what a ridiculous situation, Matt. Dude, it's wild. Okay, one, why did you let him play in the game after you held him out of the starting lineup? If the conclusive <sighs> evidence wasn't back yet, if you had enough evidence to hold him out of the starting lineup, you should never put him in. And then exactly. to pull him out, it was it was just so, so dumb, man. Yeah, I mean, he got his fifth foul back, which, like, it was it was a little bit of a, a foul that he got away with. And he's already hit five people that you could count. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was it was very reckless and very dangerous. And I thought, man, I hope our team does not get COVID because of this this mess. Yeah, three games later, we're playing the Celtics tonight, and uh, no problems, apparently. Uh, still crazy situation. I I don't know what the NBA was thinking. I, I can't believe that we're a week later, and somehow it's not really a conversation. I mean, you know, uh, Durant's going to get to play tomorrow, I think, is his first game back. I know this, obviously, because of my fantasy situation and how I've been missing him for sure. With that L that I took, although I hear that you're taking a beating right now for Lando. Yeah, team. man, I squeaked by you last week, but I always start my weeks off taking the beating, you and do. then somehow by the end of the week I squeeze it out. So I'm not too worried. It's your consistent. It's your consistency, dude. You have a good team that just like puts up solid points, solid efforts throughout the week, and 
you know, my team is a little bit more uh, up and down, a little bit more uh, yes and no. Sometimes it goes really well, and sometimes Fred puts up one for 10 shooting after putting up 10 for 11. Like, you know, things happen. Yeah, man, and the stats are close right now between Lando and I, and I've got an extra 10 games uh, remaining, so... Oh, Good yeah, luck. You're fine. You shouldn't be worried. Okay, so let's let's talk about that Hawks game where we took a nail. Boucher drops 29 points. Like, I I didn't get to watch it unfortunately, Matt, and I was sad watching the highlights because like we played a decent game. We did play a decent game. The refs kind of took it from us at the end a little bit, in my opinion. wasn't great. I think that was the game where uh, both. Kyle Lowry and um, Norm Powell were bleeding. They were both right. bleeding, and we did not get calls. Um, I don't know how that happens, um, but whatever. And so it was a tough game to watch, and it kind of fell apart mostly at the end because we, you're right, we had a great game plan at the start. It just kind of got away from us. Like, most games do when the refs start calling it the other way. But we were able to slap those Grizzlies, man. I thought JV was going to eat us alive, and he did. But we still got the win. Was the Grizzlies game um, the Nick Nurse ejection, and then we came back and destroyed them? Yeah, man. That was... Yeah, okay. <laughs> the three-headed snake came out that night, Matt. Siakam, Fred, Norm... All of, Norm had 29, Siakam and Fred both had 32. Like, yes, you're right. JV feasted, as he should on a team with as much center problems that we have. But the boys came out, and they did Nick Nurse proud. They played really well. Um, did Lowry get injured that game? Yes. Because he only played seven minutes as well. So like, Back spasms. We, right? We were in a tough situation, and the boys really came together to put down a Grizzlies team that is is fighting like jaw is struggling yeah but that that grizzlies team is doing pretty good they're middle table right yeah so and i'm very happy that the boys came out with that one dude and you're right that three-headed monster the the norm show man he's been above 20 points and i think 10 or 9 of 10 games or something in the starting lineup he has been phenomenal i think he's making an argument that we have to keep him in the starting lineup over og and anobi which at the beginning of the season i would have told you is wild so I'm really okay. enjoying okay. what I'm seeing from Norm. I know you've been a big Norm fan for years. Well, I really want I want to touch on the Wizards game really quickly and then come back to this because I think it's a really good transition into talking about Kyle Lowry. Um, but to really say that Wizards game tonight, seven players in double digits, like it's the Wizards, so you know you expect this, but like they don't play defense, so we put up 140 plus on them, and we did it comfortably confidently dude we padded i'm happy to see we padded the stats at the end when it was a bunch of <laughs> um scrubs in our like our bench absolutely <laughs> demolished their bench it was it was it was pretty fun to watch and again norm powell he was our leading scorer in that game with 28 points the guy gets to the basket it's just awesome to watch that and you know uh pascal's really turned it around he's he really has. He's not settling for sh for the open three-point shots just right away. He's driving to the basket, and he's playing with more intensity, and then he's taking open threes late in games. So he's he's definitely changed up the way that his style is going, and I'm loving it, man. So this is why I have to bring up the Lowry conversation. So many things that you just mentioned make it scary for me to say that maybe it is time to move on from Lowry. Maybe a trade to get Lowry out of Toronto is the right answer. Not because it gets Lowry out of Toronto, because it allows Fred to take the reins, it allows Norm to start, it allows OG to stay in the starting lineup and hopefully have a situation that works for him. It allows Pascal to keep playing the way that he is, with all of the players that he likes, and it lets us hopefully get a center to replace... I mean, I don't want to say Baines has been playing bad, because he's looked better in recent games, but he would be much more comfortable playing with the bench unit. Yeah, he's not a starting oh, Sorry. As much as I hate to say it... No, don't be sorry, but like as much as I hate to say it, a Lowry trade may be best for everyone, and it hurts me. It hurts me, because I want Lowry to stay forever. I want him to retire a Raptor. I want to make that statue for him, but 
this organization with the way that it makes deals, with the way that it makes plans, like, man, I wake up every day and I'm scared that I'm going to read the headline that Lowry's gone. Honestly, man, uh, my buddy at the beginning of the season, shout out to Keith Cabrera at uh, Soft Choice, uh, my coworker, yeah. my buddy. He uh, said the only way out of this, they were, I think, 0-3 at the time. The only way out of this is trading Kyle Lowry. And uh, <sighs> he's right, man. I think Kyle um, gives us a little bit too much of what we already have between Norm and, and Freddie. And, or, I mean, uh, yeah, Norm and Freddie. And Norm and Freddie are are younger players who need to kind of take over and step into their own if if we're going to be competitive for the next five, ten years. So I can see us trading Kyle Lowry. I just don't know who we're going to trade him to, man. I don't know what we're going to get back for him. I want picks because I'd like to add some young studs, but who knows? So here's, here's the other side of not getting picks and wanting to get that center. Because I look at the rotation in Chris Boucher, Bembry, who's figuring out how to play, you know, defensive minutes well. Johnson, who's figuring out how to play defensive minutes well. All those guys have made the rotation, as well as Utah, who's also figured that out. And I look at the guards like Matt Thomas, Malachi Flynn, you know, I guess Paul Watson, as if Lowry's gone, some of them will have an opportunity to maybe have a night where they can step up the rings. You notice I don't say Terrence Davis, because we were talking forever ago about how they want to potentially move on from him. Isn't Terrence Davis a young player that a team could look at as the right answer with Kyle Lowry for a player as the, hey, Lowry's going to be gone after his contract is done, but here's your young player that could potentially be a stud for your team answer. And that's why the Drummond rumors scare me because that trade works out so well. And I still don't want Drummond on this team. It do- As much as he fixes our problems, I just don't want it. Look, man, it, it does work out really well. Um, in terms of the idea. But the thing about bringing back Andre Drummond is, why are we bringing back a center to win now when we're trading away our... He's our heartbeat, man. He's our. Yeah. He might not be the best player on our team anymore, but I still consider him the best player on our team because of the of when he's on, we're on. He is the goal, the engine that drives us, and I don't see us winning a championship without him the way that we're currently constructed. Those words. Those words right there, Matt, are it. I wanted to say them myself, but I'm so glad you said it. Because if we trade away Lowry for the answer to our problems, the solution that Lowry is to all of the problems that we don't see right now is gone. Is gone. Yeah. And it will start to arise. And as much as I trust the boys and I love what we have as a team, if we're going to trade away Lowry, I want it to be for the future, not for the now, right? And that's why I think it'll hold out. That's why I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And it, if it's going to happen, it's going to be a, a trade deadline situation where they find the right trade and get Lowry in a great situation to set him up for a ring. You know, that that's the only way I see it happening. Because otherwise, I'm, I'm worried about the organization's decision. Yeah, man. Because, uh, I, again, I don't want to see it now. I have another coworker who is suggesting maybe Philadelphia. He's a Philly kid. Uh, we could potentially get Tobias Harris back. I don't know why Philly would want to trade him. I think it would be a, a weird move for them. But, yeah, it would just be sad to see him go. And if we do see him go, I want to see him win another one, and I want to get picks. I want to, to go for the future. So Picks in a little stud. You know, I want the opposite side of that. I, keep I don't Kyle. want to lose Terrence Davis. I want to keep somebody young. But, yeah, time will tell with this team. We are on the up. We are looking better. You know, 12 and 13, we've got a tough week ahead of us, Matt. Celtics tonight in like an hour, not even half an hour or so, right? Which will be a a very interesting game. We get a nice respite on Sunday, hopefully facing the T-Wolves. Hopefully we can get a big confidence booster because after that, we've got the Bucks on Tuesday and Thursday. Matt, you said it best. It's a true test of a week coming up. Yeah, man. I mean, if we can go... three and one or two and two as opposed to one and three it's gonna go a long way to actually making us uh contender status but if uh we only get one win against the timberwolves we're gonna be done and i think we should fade for cape (laughs) well matt the following week after that we've got another big week with the with a double game against the philadelphia 76ers so really the next eight games will be very telling on what this Raptors organization may or may not have to do with the rest of their season. Yep. Anything else, Matt? Or should we move Kevin, on? Kevin, I think we're like, what, 
uh, episode 29, 28. Um, I was going to say so. 28. in two more episodes. So by episode 30, we'll definitely know if the Raptors should be tanking or if they actually have a legitimate shot. But I think we can go on with hot takes, man. Do you want to do uh, your mystic prediction for what the NFL is going to look like next year? Okay, okay. So I love it. I love the idea. I'm going to, you know, final NFL take to end the season. I don't know how many episodes it was ago, Matt, but I joked with you about how, you know, maybe I should go against Mahomes and then they'll lose the Super Bowl and everyone will hate me. And, oh man, did I realize that I actually did that. And now I kind of feel a little bad about it. So I'm going to see if I can sprinkle a little magic and make something happen at the end of this run. So, as crazy as this sounds, KC's going 16-0. Mahomes is going to get the MVP. The headlines are going to read, GOAT comes back. Brady who? It's going to be beautiful, man. Yeah, man. I think he's going to go, I think, 16-0 with the Super Bowl. That definitely put him back in the GOAT conversation. So, And you you did call it earlier in the year. You made a little joke about it, picking against Mahomes, and you actually did curse him. Oh, man. You have some kind (laughs) of prediction powers. I would be very, very laughable to go through some of our episodes and listen to your predictions about what happens and the way you curse people, man. It's it's impressive, but hopefully I do not curse our Raptors and we get a big win against the Celtics tonight. I'm going to predict it. Ooh, ooh, I love it, Matt. we got some good predictions coming up. I mean, mine's going to take forever, but we're going to come back to it. We're definitely going to read some of these things. Anything else you got, Matt, or shall we close it up? No, man, you can wrap it up. Beautiful. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Check out more from us at theboardsports.net. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at theboardsports. This podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Follow us for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.